Which one's that? That's Sleeping Beauty. That's right? Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Neat. Hello and welcome to Isn't It Neat, a podcast where we discuss, nerd out and learn about cool, creative, interesting and nerdy stuff. Each week, one of our hosts will pick a topic they want to share their love for and that's what we will discuss. My name is Erin and I'm joined by my sisters Helen Hello. and Caitlin. Hi. This week we're continuing our discussion of Amazon's The Wheel of Time television adaptation. Season one, we're up to episodes three and four. This podcast will contain spoilers only for the first four episodes of the first season of the show. And that's half the season. It may contain minor spoilers for the beginning of the book series, as we will be dealing with events and characters from the books, but we won't be discussing specific details of the book itself. So, Helen, how are you today? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Is- it's a bit of a dreary day <laughs> yeah. outside. Yeah, it's all cold and wet outside, duck. How are you, Caitlin? I'm happy because I'm a duck and I love the rain. I like it when I don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. It's in the last couple of days. <laughs> okay, so let's start to talk about... Episode three, which is called A Place of Safety. So when we last left our intrepid crew, they had just all escaped the city of Shadalo Goth all separately. So we had three different groups. We had Rand and Matt and we had Perrin and Egwene and we had Lan and Moraine. And then Nynaeve holds Lan at gunpoint, at gunpoint. At knife, knife point. Because my name is she badass. Yeah, because she's badass. Yeah. And, um, and says, where are my friends? And that was the end. So episode three opens with a cold open and we get to see what Nynaeve has been up to. So she got dragged away by the hair during the battle at the two rivers at the village. And then the trollic that's dragging her lets her go because there's like another trollic that's kind of sick and staggering around and he goes up to the trollic and is all like hey bro what's what's the matter are you okay and then he eats him and Nynaeve goes whoop I'm running away from this now yeah so she dips she's like I'm out of here um and she so she finds her way to that sacred pool that she was cleaning earlier um hides in there and the trollic comes following and pokes around in the water and it's very tense very tense yeah. And then he gets into one of the pools and is poking around and she just, like a crocodile, comes up behind him from the water and steals his knife and then it's a big knife fight in the water. Yeah, stabs him and they're like, rah, and then they both submerge for that minute where you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, thrashing and then stillness. And then the blood leaks up and makes that yin-yang symbol in the water and I need bursts out victorious. Because she's yeah. the coolest. Ah. She's so cool. She's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> And then, so once uh, she bursts out and she does a real cool hair toss, tosses her braid, and we're like, yeah, we love Nynaeve. And then we get the opening credits, which I heart. I heart the opening credits. How do you guys think about them? Do you like them? Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah. I think we talked about this last time. Yeah. They're, we kind of went through it last time. Gorgeous and well worth watching the full credits instead of skipping. Yeah, it's like I get to the point where I kind of sort of understand that the lady colours of the dresses, each one is so, like a clan in the ice today or something. Yeah. Yeah, and we get to see a few of them in these couple of episodes, don't we? Yeah, it's like, oh, it makes sense now. <laughs> okay, so after the opening credits, we, we're back to um, Lan and Moraine after Shadalo Goth um, and Nynaeve's got the knife to Lan. Um, Maureen's really sick and Lan asks for help because 
Nynaeve's a wisdom, she's a healer. And Nynaeve's all like grumpy and like, I don't like her. Um, and then the best thing where Lan's like, come on, you know, we, we both know you're not going to actually kill me. And then Nynaeve actually tries, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. And he's surprised, but he's pretty badass too. And he disarms her. So then we go to Rand and Matt and there's some picturesque scenery again. Yeah, they were in a lake before and now they're on a mountain. Yeah, so they're up at a mountain. But they do that a lot in this in this um, series is the scene being distinctly different means that they've travelled. It's, it's been a period of time has passed. Yeah. And then they have a, li- a little bit of an argument about where to go next. Matt just wants to go home, but Rand wants to go to the White Tower because he's really worried about Egwene and he knows that Egwene wants to go to the White Tower. So we've got to go to the White Tower to find Egwene. And my favourite part of this scene, Matt's hair is scraggly and overgrown and his beard is nonsense and special Rand. boy, Land, Rand, whatever his name is, Rand. special boy, smooth cheeks and he's got an artful <laughs> yeah, that's The one smudge. thing I noticed about him is that he looks distinctly different from the yeah, others. Yeah, he's always well kept yeah. with like it's maybe he can't grow a beard. Maybe he can't or maybe he's like <laughs> magically got himself some he's like always, makeup situation going on. Yeah, yeah. He just always looks really and his hair is real like that too. Mm. And he's like, yeah. yeah, he's very well groomed mm. yeah. and chiseled. Yeah. And Matt's kind of scraggly. Matt looks like <laughs> he's literally mess. rolled around on the ground normal. for a bit and um, yeah. special boys just like reached down and like gently touched at his cheeks with <laughs> a little bit of dirt <laughs> to make it look like he's been struggling. <laughs> so then we cut to Perrin and Egwene and they are not on a mountain. They're on like completely different terrain. They're in like I'm sort of a windy wind, plain. Windy and they're running and there's wolves. Yeah, so there's these wolves howling and they're like, oh, crap. They're probably the same ones that Perrin met before. Yeah, have they been following him the whole time? Mm, Probably. They try and light a fire and Perrin's sad and he's like, oh, do it, oh, do it. And he's trying to light with the flint and the steel and he's like, I can do it. I can look after you. I can be strong, man. He's freaking out, man. (laughs) He's freaking out. And then Egwene goes, hmm, and sort of does the thing and he's like, thinking, and then there's a fire. So Egwene tried to channel the fire with her new magic that she can do, maybe. But I looked at it like I can't actually tell which one of them did it in that moment. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be the question. And Egwene says Matt and Rand will want to go home, so let's go home and find them there. And Perrin goes, no, no, I know Rand. Rand is going to go wherever he thinks you're going to go, and he thinks you're going to go to Tarvalon, so we got to go to Tarvalon too. Because he's a smart boy. So smart. Yeah. So it seems like all the kids are going to Tarvalon. So we cut to Nynaeve, who's tied to a tree, and she's gagged as well. Very unhappy about it. Yeah, and Maureen's not looking good. She's, like, pale and fevery and ooh. Um, And so Lan asks Nynaeve to help again, and there's much hostility. Feels like very much she has this prejudice against them. Just there. Okay, my headcanon is now added. <laughs> Expanded headcanon. Expanded headcanon. Alternate universe to Wheel of Time, and it's Lan and Nynaeve, and they are doing Lizzie Bennett and Darcy from Pride of Prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> what? Is, is this not the crossover we need? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. I love yeah, that. Right. And all that misunderstanding and all that, yeah. Helen, at this point I'd already decided that 
Hero Daddy, who is Lan, and Hero Auntie, who is Nynaeve, are going to get married and they love each other. <laughs> this is my decision. <laughs> Helen, do you think that um, Lan and Nynaeve are going to get together? No. No. Okay. I just feel like they have, that's almost kind of, they do get this friendship that it, they don't see it really. It's love, man. One. It's love. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Nynaeve reluctantly agrees to help um, heal Moraine. She looks at, like, Moraine's wounds pretty gnarly. It's kind of gross and it's, like, green and stuff and it has, like, awesome pus, which is awesome. Um, And then she says to Lan that she's heard that waters feel everything that their Aes Sedai feels, so so he better brace himself. Um, What do you think about that? Like that kind of like sharing pain and feelings dynamic. Yeah, so maybe it's a little bit more insight into how the bond works. Mm. Like I don't think it's exactly like that, but there is definitely some feedback from one another. They do feel things from one another. Then we cut to um, like a big thunder crack. There's like a thunderstorm going on and Heron wakes up at home in his bed and he's wearing oh, his yeah. really cool night shirt, which looks nice and snuggly. And he sort of wakes up and he's like, where's Layla? And then walks through his house and under a little veranda and into the forge, which is on at night. And then he goes around the forge and there's a wolf eating Layla's, like, entrails, like digging in her stomach. And then she does the creepy thing where the, like, zombie looks at you with the dead eyes and it's like, and then he wakes up like, ah! And she says, I know and then there's the creepy dude with the flame eyes yeah. who does, like, a jump scare. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that name. guy. And then Perrin wakes up. Then we go back to Rand and Matt. Matt's cold and he's whining and he's like, hey, Rand, let's swap coats for a bit. It seems to me like Matt's really serious. He's, like, he's having a really shit time. He's like, this is shit. He's also, like, struggling. And Rand's just, yeah. you know, we, we've got a mission, we're going to do it, and isn't paying any attention. And Matt is. Yeah, and he's sort of joking around yeah. with him like, oh, you're a little bit cold. Yeah, and it's not like he's cold. He's he's suffering. He's, it's it's a hard time and he's not okay and it's and not Matt does have a little, like a really thin little coat and Rand's got that cool sheepskin thing. Mm. Plus, like, Rand's come, come up with a father who's cared for him on a farm where they're clearly quite wealthy for the village. Like, they have enough to eat and like mm. their clothes are well made and, and all they of that. they live up there they would have the thicker warmer clothes. Yeah exactly whereas Matt very they have sheep they can just take the sheep. Yeah. <laughs> take the wolf and they can trade for what they bodies. need whereas Matt mm. like is very clearly from the beginning shown to be a, a lot poorer anything that he has he tries to um make more so he can give it to his sisters and take care of them and his parents yeah. are both like drunken sasses who like don't care about anything except each other's petty nonsense so like he's not going to have good warm winter clothing he's not going to have good quality anything and he's also going to be like probably quite malnourished compared to Rand so like yeah he- so Rand sort of starts off in a better place yeah and he's stronger and, and taller does. and special boy and magic and yeah uh, <laughs> And Matt is beautiful and amazing and gorgeous and has the best scraggly beard <laughs> that we have seen so far. Um, so they, they find a town, though. So they come to the top of the hill and they're like, oh, look, a town. It looks like a little mining town. And they wander in and the first thing they say they see is this, like, 
dude, a dead guy in a cage who's been stuck with some arrows. And Matt looks and and there's like a shiny. Purple stone. Yeah, shiny purple gem thingy. And he's like, hmm. But they find a bar and they go in. Um, They don't have much money, but they order some. They order some food and then in enters the Gleeman who kind of stomps in his boots and picks up his guitar and it's all quite dramatic and everyone mm. hushes and they're like, oh, the Gleeman's going to play. What do you think of the song, Helen? Hey, the song about the dragon, I guess? Yeah. And how he broke the world and all that and all that sort of, you know. Yeah, so it's about the man who can't forget. And so I bet it was something like, because they keep talking about the Wheel of Time, about how people get reincarnated eventually. And I bet this guy, last one, he lost someone he loved very much and wanted to bring them back to life sooner. And that's how it ended up. That's how the world broke. He tried to like... Tried to like revive them quicker or something. Mm. Or bring them back to life. And this is how okay. everything went down. Oh, so he wasn't yeah, evil. Something. It was a tragic love story tragic thing yeah. and it ended up he ended up just you know and he, yeah and he turned the world to shit and was like oops yep oh yeah so he sings a song and it's it's kind of sad and melancholy and the whole bar's like oh and then the bar keeps like well let's drink some more beer and it gets rowdy again and then um matt gets robbed did you pick that up? Yeah, it's like when the guy knocked into him, like, oh, he just got robbed. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, and then the gleeman knocks into that guy and he's like, got robbed. And that guy just got robbed. Yeah. <laughs> and poor Matt, I do really feel for him. He's like, this is, I couldn't believe that my life could get any more shit. And here we are. It's more shit. Yeah. And Rand's just kind of like, uh-huh, sucks to be you. Because yeah, he's, a, he's a bad friend. I don't like <laughs> him. <laughs> so then we go back to Perrin and Egwene, who have found some tracks so after we finished this episode, Helen said to me, oh, these wolves, I think they're talking to Perrin. They're, quite, they're trying to communicate something like a spirit guide. Do you think they're like talking into his brain? No, it's like I feel like they're just, they want to communicate with him. Because like when the, that first scene, when the wolves came up to him, there was something there, like he looked at them and they looked at each other and it kind of looked like they almost sort of were having a conversation. Yeah, so in episode two when they like licked his leg. Yeah. Yeah, And I feel like, you know, them following him and looking at him and the howling is, you know, trying to communicate like how wolves communicate with each other but with Perrin. And, but Perrin mm. just doesn't understand. Yeah. Helen, yeah. do you think it's going to be like his special talent is that he can talk to wolves or is he like maybe it's, like, you know, the Nordic tales where they, they, men would change into wolves and had a very like. Like a berserker. Yeah. Mm. Well, like the berserker was the fighter but there's the – um folklore tales of like men who would dress in wolves and they put on the wolf skin and it would turn yeah 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 yeah, right those first kind of werewolf type stories where the werewolf yeah yeah like where the original werewolf stories lines come from and like do you think it's that or do you think it's like what i think where he's magic in a like a berserker kind of way where he just has like this affinity with wolves and like he's in a fight and he would just keep going until there's no more fighting to to do and then his soft sweet special parent baby <laughs> and he struggles so hard when oh, he's not in that mode like i don't know enough about the nature of magic in this world to understand what it is yet <laughs> but yeah. i know there's something special about the wolves and parent there's something going on there so we leave we leave parent and egwene so they go off to follow the tracks and then we go back to Rand and Matt and they, they discuss money and they're like, oh, I don't have much. So they go and ask the barkeep for mercy or for work. And Rand ends up coming out they, they chop some wood. So the barkeep's like, you can chop some wood. And Rand's like, okay. And off he goes. And Matt's like, I don't want to. And he ends up 
serving beer. So we get to talk a little bit more with the barkeep, whose name is Dana. I really like Dana. She's really cool. She's pretty kick-ass. <laughs> and then we go back to Nynaeve and Len and Moraine, and Moraine's not looking good even more or not looking good even worse than she was not looking good before. Um, she's looking worse than she was looking before. <laughs> yeah, like she wasn't looking good, and now she's looking <laughs> even worse. <laughs> yeah. And then so Lan dips. He's like, all right, see ya. And then he's like, uh, what? And he's like, I'm going. Find help. See ya. And off he gets on his horse and goes. And then he's like, um, okay. Because he trusts her so much. He's like, this is a wisdom. She's not going to kill Moray. She's going to keep her safe whilst I go do the thing. I'll go find, get the find some help. Yep. Uh, yep. I trust this woman who's tried to kill me a couple of times now <laughs> to not kill my most important person, Moraine. And off I go. And they're going to get married and they're going to have They're going to have horses. And like, it's not going to be like a, like a beautiful white horse and like Land's dark horse. It's going to be two really serious stomping horses. And Nani's horse is possibly going to be more aggressive and nasty. Yeah. <laughs> good at fighting than yeah. Land's horse. It's going to be so good. Yeah. So that's <laughs> Caitlin's ship. Um, yeah. Okay. So Perrin and we go back to Perrin and Egwene. They're trudging. Yeah, they're the fog. And Perrin's like, let me go ahead. I want to protect you. Yeah, he's like, let me go first. And Egwene's like, you don't need to protect me. He's like, yes, I do. I'm sad. And I feel like I need to. And then he goes, it's not your fault. And he goes, it is. (laughs) And she's like, no, no, it's not. And there's this moment when he's like physically can't tell her what happened. And he's just, oh. I have a headcanon for these two as well. You want to hear it? Okay. For Perrin and Egwene? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Egwene's going to go to the Isodai Tower and get trained in Isodai magics. And Perrin is going to come into whatever voodoo magics that he has, but then it's not the st- same stuff as the Isodai. It's not the one power. It's something older and different and, you know, lost to time. And he's going to become Egwene's warder. Right. And they're going to have such a wonderful adventure. <laughs> All right, so so they go into the fog and and they're like, ooh, and then these spoopy people arrive and they ask, do you know the song? And it's almost like rhyming the way they do it and it's very creepy. It's like, what? And they're just like. And then this sort of younger boy who's later we know, we learn his name is Aram. I can't even remember how they say it. This is always. Aram? Aram? Aram, Aram. Whatever. So Aram says. Um, tells them the thing they have to say, which is something about your greeting warms my heart and rah, 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 and I do not know the song. And they're like, I don't know the song. Um, and then they're like, okay. And then they bring them to their sort of little camp where they've got like bright, colorful wagons and a beautiful fire. And they're like, give them blankets and food. And they're like, we'll look after you. It's okay. Yeah, fire and they're is open to everyone. Yeah. And, Very nice. And that's when they say that they are the Tuatha An the tinkers the traveling people um and they've got a bit of a reputation for like stealing stuff and stealing children away and things it's like very that much like that kind of gypsy yeah the roma people and how they were treated and how they looked at eventually Perrin and Egwene are like okay and they just like hoe into the food because it's probably been a while since they've eaten then we go back to Rand who's chopping wood and he's chopped a lot of wood and then Dana arrives with her with sort of a tray of beer um and then so then Dana takes him to an ice room. He says, you've earned 
You've earned a roof over your head, so you don't need to sleep under a tarp. Then there's a beautiful sunset, and Matt's looking at the dude that's in the cage that they saw when they entered the oh, town. Yeah. He's going to steal the shiny rock. Yeah, he wants the shiny rock. Then the Gleeman arrives, and he's like, what are you doing? I love it. He arrives and there's this like dramatic guitar strum and he kind of strides in like it's the wild, wild west. Mm. And he <laughs> goes, what are you doing, boy, or something like that. So they end up, they pull the cage down and pull the, the guy out. And so they're gleaming, sort of gives us a little bit of information. He says, this is an Aielman. He's got red hair. You don't see that often outside of the waste um, where the Aiel live. They're honour-bound fighters. You only need to be concerned when they veil their faces. It's just introduced this other race of people. Mm. Yeah, this other group. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Matt admits that he was there because he wants to rob the dead. He's like, "Uh, he doesn't need it anymore. And the Gleeman's like, well, okay. (laughs) Like gives him some privacy. (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. So Matt digs through the guy's pockets and and finds a shiny rock. So he's like, shiny rock. And he also finds a little like figurine. And then they help bury the dead. Yeah. So then we go back to Dana and Rand and they're just drinking and chatting. Um, Dana leans in for the kiss and Rand's like, um, and she's like, oops. And then she says, it's the braid, isn't it? It looks too much like her, like Egwene. And Rand's like, oh, what? (laughs) That minute you're like, what? How does she know? Yeah. Evil magic. (laughs) Yeah. And then, oh my God, she was a bad guy. (gasps) Yeah. So she's like, the whole time. (laughs) She's so cool. (laughs) She's really cool. So she kind of like pushes Rand over and then gets his sword. And he's like, oh, what? And then bull rushing the door. And Dana's like, you can't break it down. It's impossible to break down. And then he does break down the impossible yeah, door. Yeah, where there is this, like, whoosh. Like, oh, he's just used some kind of weird, freaky magic then to do that. Yeah, so you think man's magic? I think that, you know how they were talking about how men touch this power, they all got start to go mad? Yeah. And how all three of the boys seem to have, they're all having this nightmares. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen a Matt have one yet, but Rand and Rand we've seen, we, yeah, we've seen from Rand's point of view and Perrin's point Rand of view. And, and I think they have at some point touched this power and they're being affected, but not quite getting into the madness thing part yet. Okay, they're not, they're not channeling it yet. Yeah, so they're just on the edges of it, so they're getting a little bit of a, a shockwave, but not the full effect of it. Yeah, it's like it looks like he didn't even try to like take his sword <laughs> back. He just kind of lets her yeah. manhandle him, and his minute yeah. where he's yeah. like, it looks like he just is in this moment. He's like, he doesn't know how to react. He's yet. like, okay, you're and kissing me, not and reacting. I'm passively. Yeah, ex- he doesn't react to anything. That's the problem. <laughs> He's not reacting. He like, either just, doesn't react at all or the way that he chooses to react is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so he so he bursts down the impossible door and runs and he runs into Matt and he's like, look. He's got my phone, run. And Matt, yeah, Matt's like, what? <laughs> and then there's a big chase through the town and they're running and they're running and then all of a sudden she's in front of them. So then she's got them a knife at knife sword point. And then she delivers kind of this big evil monologue, as as you do, about how she sees the five of them in her dreams and one of them is the dragon reborn. And Rand's like, five? No, it's a Matt goes five. 
Oh, Matt goes five. I thought it was Rand. No, it's Matt. No, Rand's Rand stupid. <laughs> Matt goes five. Five? Yeah. Matt's like, the smart one in this scene. <laughs> yeah. So Dana talks about how um, basically kind of her reason for becoming a dark friend, she's like she's stuck in this town, she thinks it's shit, um, and the last person who brought the dragon reborn to the dark one, like we still say his name. His name is Ashamael. Everyone remembers him. And I'm going to go down in history just like this guy. Yeah, just like Ashamael. And um, she says that the I said I want to kill the dragon reborn, but what the dark one wants to do is just break the wheel and then that would end all existence and that's what she wants. Which is really interesting because if the wheel breaks, that means that they can't be reborn. Mm. So it's the end of her, everything. Is mm. her understanding of the world is that it's an endless cycle of suffering yeah. and despair and despondence, which like you can kind of see the other side of the story and why there's these white peoples who want to follow the dragon because they want the wheel to break. Yeah, it's not just evil. It's kind of they have that motivation behind them. And then suddenly there's a knife in her throat and out steps tom yeah he's all he's very dramatic i love him yeah. he's like dun, 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 i rescued you and he's like come on we gotta we gotta the fade coming we gotta go <laughs> yeah we gotta go so they leave and then there's a really cool transition from the blood pooling oh, yeah. from from, from dana's throat into the um puddle into, like, the skyline like- so it transitions to this skyline and we're with Lan and Nynaeve and Moraine. Um, Moraine's, like, Lan's holding Moraine on his horse in front of her because she's just like, Bleh. and then he's like, we need you. And then out comes Leandrin, who we met in the cold open of episode one. The scary lady chasing the dude. And the best jawline of the series. So she comes out and she's like, Moraine Sedai. And Moraine's like, Leandrin Sedai. And she's like, did you hear? Like, you missed it. We've caught a man who pretending to be the dragon reborn. Um, and then out comes a man in a cage. And he's like, dun, dun, dun. And he looks kind of grumpy. And that's the end of the episode. Um, so what did you say about Tom, Helen? The cool, he's the cool, um, the wise mentor teacher guy coming along. Yeah. And something about the shiny rock. Oh, yeah. The shiny rock looks like it has some sort of like magical thing going on with it. Yeah, it might be significant later. It gives me um, amethyst vibes. Like, you know, the, the amethyst is meant to be calming and focusing. And-, and it's the second shiny rock that Matt's got because he's got the first gem on his little dagger sword and now he's got a Matt's shiny a purple He's got a red one and he's got a purple one. And he's going to have one that's all the colours of the Aes Sedai. <laughs> Collect them all. Yeah, and then he's going to be the one true king. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now oh, I've yeah. changed my mind um, what he's going to do with his life. The sword, the fancy sword that the dad pulled out, friends, with the heron on it. Um, yeah. I bet that means that he's actually a descendant of the king of the destroyed kingdom or something. And Rand's whole thing is that he's a prince and that's why he's a special boy. So he's like Aragon. Is it Aragon? Um, yeah, the one that didn't <laughs> want to be the king and ended up being the king anyway. Yeah, he's the, the, like, the he doesn't last know king. he's actually descended of royalty, but he is. And when yeah. he finds out, he's going to be like a real. And you're talking about Manetherin, so he's like the yeah. descendant of. Yeah. So then, Helen, you said a little bit about um, that you're quite suspicious of Leandrin. Um, yeah, the red lady, right? Yeah. There's yeah, like because, a rivalry. Like, the way she was introduced to us the very first episode was like, whoop, she's going to be somewhat antagonistic. 
throughout this whole thing, I bet. Mm. And then the way that she and Moraine ingreeted each other, it was like, oh, they don't like each other. <laughs> There's some tension rivalry there. They got some history. <laughs> yeah, so that was episode three. We're going to take a short break now and then we dive straight into episode four. <laughs> And we're back. So episode four is called The Dragon Reborn. Dun, dun, dun. Ah. All right. So we have a cold open and this time we're in a new place. It's called Gjeldan and there's fighting. There's like a war going on. There's like rah, rah, fighting, clang, clash of steel, all that stuff. And then we see like these guys running they're in, in, in armor and swords and stuff and they're like protect the king and then we, so we get an introduction to the king who has beautiful eyes <laughs> of his eyes for some reason the king gets like separated and he runs into this kind of courtyard place he's like they're like he's stalking them and the guards are like go on without us and he's like i'm not leaving you and then yeah. they go go please and he does yeah very upset about so it. dramatic yeah it's but yeah very formulaic i love it and then dun dun dun, Logain arrives. The false dragon. The false dragon. He's very sort of still and ominous, um, and he does some magic. But his magic is like kind of similar to like the way the women that like you get the swirly white stuff. But There's after a little bit, so like black. a second after the magic comes out, it like gets coated in black stuff. So anyway, the Logain sort of stalks forward and is all like rah, rah, and he's like quite softly spoken and it's got a great accent and he's talking about is the dragon reborn like maybe the dragon reborn is supposed to save the world like the prophecies aren't clear like some say he might save the world or is he supposed to break it like or maybe he'll save it and then break it like there's a bit of sort of and there's this lady's voice that's just a whisper and clearly only he can hear it and um the king tries to stab Loghain and Loghain's just calmly standing there and then he's like magic grabs the dagger and then turns it around so it's facing the king and the king's like oh no you get stabbed and he hears voices telling him to like kill him it's like kill him and they kind of like appear over his shoulders in like the it's like spooky from the black. dark wispy thing yeah and, and the shape of a of a woman's face yeah and the shape um, of a man's and a man's voice yeah but he doesn't kill the king he heals his wound because he's got a wound in the shoulder and the king's like what and then um swears fealty to him so he's like okay we're friends now is this a minute where the king looks like really in awe (laughs) like yeah he's like suddenly very suddenly changed his tune Mm. Yeah, but is that because he's like, oh, okay, this guy's a good guy or because part of that magic that he did made him mm. sort of mm. Maybe he's yeah. used a bit of compulsion on him through yeah. the magic. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Word. And then we get the cool opening sequence again, which I love. <laughs> and then we go to Nynaeve, who's... Kind of grumpy again, <laughs> like her natural state. She's in the Aaron's group sad. Nynaeve is grumpy. Yeah, she's with the Aes Sedai, so there's a camp, and she's kind of like sitting on the edge of the camp on a little hill, eating some cold chicken, and she's like, "Uh, hate Aes Sedai." Uh, uh. And then, um, we go into a tent where Karene is healing Moraine, and Moraine's like, "Thanks," but it takes quite a lot of effort, and Karene's like falling over. 
And Marianne's like, what's up? Like, what's up with that? And it's because they've been shielding Loghain, who's very, very strong and he's taking it's taking its toll on them. They're very tired. But Leandrin, there's a little bit of politics talk and Leandrin doesn't want to take him to, for trial. She's like, we can't hold, keep this up. Let's just gentle him now. Is this when they take away their magic? It's like a magical crestration. But according to the rules and the law, they need to go to the tower and stand trial, I suppose, for their crimes. And then so Moiraine volunteers to take a shift because she's like, I'm strong like you guys. We can, like, split it between us. Um, so she does. And then so Leandrin takes her shield off and goes, oh. And then Maureen goes, ooh. <laughs> so she goes, ooh, like, I'm suddenly carrying something real heavy. Yeah. But it is kind of cool. You see, you see, like, Maureen's got, like, a little shield in her hands and it kind of, like, wraps around Loghain and then settles onto him, like, in his shape. Mm. Yeah. So that's how, kind of how that works, I guess. And then we go to Lan and another warder whose name is Steppen. And they're doing their cool, like, exercises together. Yeah, they're, like, fighty dancey exercises yes, sword stuff. dances sword cutter or something. and then we go to uh where tom and rand and matt uh they've nicked some horses and they're like galloping through the forest da, 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 da. and then rand and matt kind of slow down and, and they have a little bit of a dis- discussion about whether they should trust tom and who's the fifth person they're like who's the fifth person yeah matt goes you heard what you said there's five of us there's only the yeah, four of the us. And then, bam, cut to Loghain. I love that. It's like, oh, they want us to think Loghain. No, it's Nynaeve because Nynaeve's badass. Yeah. <laughs> and At then, this point is the point where I started thinking, oh, I bet Nynaeve's part of that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so we're in the cave again. Um, we're in the cave. Oh, it's um, Moraine and the other girl, the green Moraine, the, the It's green Moraine one. and Alana. So they they talk, so they say stuff like, Women can't see men's weavings. They're channeling. They can't see that. And then they, they have a little talk about being novices. And then Maureen's like, Alana, are you trying to manipulate me into telling you secrets? And she's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That was very cute, the way they are friends. We skip back to the farm where Rand and Matt are mucking out the stable and Tom's like, I must prepare for my performance. Oh, yeah, he can't help because he's yeah. busy. He's like, no, no, I am performing tonight to this farm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Matt's really not well. Rand's like, are you okay? And Matt, Matt's like, I just need a bit of a break. And so he goes outside and he vomits. What does he vomit up? Helen, do you want to describe this? <laughs> I actually think I might have walked away to put my plate away at this moment. because I don't. Helen, you've got to tell me because I can pause it. It's okay, I can tell her. Do you remember the horses exploding in the evil dark place? Oh, how the dark stuff ate them, yeah. That dark stuff comes out and it, a little bit comes out of his mouth and he's vomiting this black crap and then someone comes up behind Matt and the blackness sucks back into his body. It's And it's yeah, like, it's ooh, is that, he's taken the, the evil dark explodey horse power from the evil dark place it's, and it's just living inside him. Is that why he's struggling so much harder than anything else on top of the fact that he's malnourished and poor and ill-equipped and struggling this is my theory about how the knife is like possessing him because it's got that magic red jewel and it's magic somehow and it's possessing him in some way it's got a spirit but is it, is it the knife him. or is it like just 
it got into him because his his defenses aren't as strong as everyone else's. Right, the knife itself lured him towards. Yes, yeah, the knife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he fell for it. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, Tom and Rand um are discussing Matt. So Tom's like, mm, you know, something's up with Matt. I had a nephew whose name was Owen, and Owen, what happened to Owen? Um, he got touched by the power, and he went mad. Oh, he acts. He one day he throws. Is he throwing something? He magic a rock or something. Yeah, yeah. so he threw a rock without picking it up, and so that's him hmm. using the power. Like basically, yeah. he could channel the power, and then some Aes Sedai come and they gentle him. Yeah, but and then he, Tom. To- the, the, the horrifying part of the story of the gentling is that Tom says, um, for those men and women who have touched the one power, having it taken away from them is living less than half a life. And I'm just like, ah! Yeah. So it's kind of a lose-lose situation because he talks about, like, if men touch the power, they're going to go mad. Cause the and then if they get gentled, which, like, presumably protects them from going mad, they then lose the will to live and he and it's, just it's calmly propaganda like they're calling it gentling and it's not it's not gentle it sounds harsh and horrible and the after effects are bad enough they're cutting out parts of people in order for them to behave in a different way like a lobotomy yeah yeah, yeah. being a guy who can channel is probably it's not good it's yeah, and Tom's saying Matt looks like he's he's able to channel and that's what's going on here. Yeah, so he's getting and, a little bit concerned. And Rand's being a special boy, being like, oh, my friend's suffering and is, is able to channel and he's probably the dark, uh, the dragon reborn, but I'm a special boy and I'm going to be a superhero and it's going to yeah. be fine for <laughs> me. <laughs> and then we go to the, the water's fire. Yeah, and they're all having a great time laughing and talking. Yeah, and so they're stories. telling stories, shit-talking. And the first obviously gay couple. Yeah, they're sitting, sitting in his lap practically. Yeah, so like, and I look at it and I was like, aw. Yeah, yeah, it's really cute. Then they discuss the water bond a little bit. Stepan says there's n- nothing closer than the bond between the water and his eyes said I. Not even a parent or child or, you know. Um. Yeah, so it's a pretty close bond. It gets really s- kind of serious. And they mm. discuss that Aes um, Sedai and the old tongue means servants of all. And so the waters are quite proud to be serving the Aes Sedai. Yeah. We're proud and we're tired. <laughs> yeah, we're proud and we're tired. And then Alana comes along and then summons her too, the two guys. Yeah, the they're like, yep, we are tired <laughs> as they go off to their tent. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see uh, Nynaeve have this moment of like, um. The two of them. With the three of the them. At the same time. <laughs> it's like, are they going to, like, all of them? Because <laughs> she's totally fine with pairings, but it's yeah. the like, polygamous what? situation that she's a bit. Mm, no, this is new. <laughs> yeah, like, my, fav- my favorite then- part about the conversation is we're tired and Lan must be super tired trying to keep up with Moray because yeah. she's like <laughs> running around all over the place. And he's just like quietly smiling, like, yeah, I tired. Um, not not like rising to the bait at all. And they're all sort of continuing the joke about being tired and keeping up. So very clearly implying to Nanive that every single water is boinking their isodine yeah. and that's the how it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then and then basically Maureen comes out and lands like, Well, I'm going to bed. 
and let them yeah. <laughs> but, uh, do they then, do they but then Lan goes into the tent and Maureen's kind of sitting there and um she's really worried and Lan's like do, like do you think that this guy really is the dragon reborn and Maureen's kind of like I don't know and then she holds his hand and gets a little bit sentimental and he's like I shouldn't drink you get emotional when I drink. Yeah, he's like, like, I lost the kids. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, so he's like, I lost them because your choices are my choices and my lo- your losses are my losses. And they have this moment. And then he's it's like, really drink, you get emotional when I drink. Oh, yeah. They just have this moment. Very yeah. such a good relationship. And they're the best hero parents ever. <laughs> um, then we go back to... This is when we go back to the Tinkers and the Tinkers are dancing and having a good old time and Egwene asks Aram about the song. She's yeah, like, he talks about it like how it's this song that we had once upon a time that was lost to the ages and we think if we find it we can spread happiness and joy around the world. And he's like, oh, I don't really believe in that. But then she's looking around like, well, are you sure you haven't found it? And then he looks around and has this moment where it sees everyone's happy and that yeah. kind of thing goes, oh. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and this is the point that I changed my mind about ugh, her to actually Egwene's actually like developing into a really interesting character. Yeah, mm. she hasn't really done much mm. yet. Because she comes in and she uh, is open to yeah. everything. Like mm-hmm. she's interested and open. She's not going to take away and like appropriate stuff. She's just like fascinated and gives those people who are already there a new view on their own sort of situation and culture which I think is very cool of her. yeah yeah and this is when we go to um Perrin and Isla's chat so Perrin's helping fix one of the wagon wheels and that's when they discuss a little bit more of the way of the leaf and Isla tells a story about her daughter how her daughter got set upon by brigands and just murdered for the sake of it and that her, like revenge the whole idea of revenge and that the best revenge that she can do for her daughter is not being violent. Peace is the best revenge. Yeah, so parents kind of sad and ponders that. Mm, which is really interesting. Probably really like good this... for him to find a coping mechanism the way she kind of this kind of method. Yeah. Because yeah. his instinct is that when someone harms you so much, like destroying your daughter in that way, and you want revenge, you want to hunt them down and hurt them too. Whereas mm-hmm. she's like, no, that's an eye for an I eye. Want- yeah, there's no point the doing cycle. that. Just perpetuating the violence if you do that. Yeah, yeah this, is, this exactly. is how she stops it. Even if it's not in her lifetime, she will and stop she it gets, eventually. Oh, this actress, she's so good. She's amazing. Everything I've yeah. seen her, she's amazing. And like her voice gets a little bit watery when she's trying to say the wheel's going to keep turning. So in the next life, or the next life, or the next life, at some point, her and her daughter are going to be able to live the life that they deserve. Yeah, because and they'll be back every together, mm. and they. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we go back to Rand and Matt and they're sort of bedding down in the barn for the night and Rand's like, Matt, I'm here for you, my friend. <laughs> and Matt's like, ugh. And then he blows yeah, out. It's, it's just like, whatever. <laughs> and then Rand blows out the candle and then he wakes up in kind of like a dream. So we have another dream. So Perrin's oh, just like dream. banging at the forge. But he's banging on her name, yeah. which I've forgotten, his wife. Layla. Layla, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, and Matt's got just walking and he's got like bloody hands and then Egwene gets grabbed by the guy with the fire eyes and then he wakes up and Tom's like, what's going on? And where's Matt? They're like, oh, no, where is it? Where's Matt? And um, and they run into the farmhouse 
and they see all of the whole family's dead and they're like, oh, shit, and there's Matt standing there with his dagger. He points it up. I see you. All spooky-like. And then the babe pops out and it's like, ah, jump scare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they're all like, ah, and action just goes, bam, kickstart. Yeah, Tom starts <laughs> yeah. throwing knives and is like, get out of here. And so the two Take boys. Take run. He saw the little girl's body and had this moment. Matt was like, came back to himself, saw the little girl dead and had this, this moment, this look on his face where he's devastated. Yeah. yeah. And then he's so he away. shattered. Yeah, he's like, what? Um, this little girl's a stand-in for his sisters who he loves more than anything in the entire yeah. world and she's dead and he doesn't know what's going what's gone yeah, on. It's like he, he was possessed in those moments and he suddenly woke up and he's like, what's going on? Helen said afterwards that she thinks that the knife possessed Matt and brought him into the house because the knife wanted to kill the fade. Yeah, it seems like the knife is like, or whatever's the deal with the magic of the knife, does not like the fade. Really? Because mm. my thought was that the fade had got into the house and Matt had slept, walk his way into there because he was like summoned by the darkness inside of him and matching the darkness and the well, fade. But the I like your said, interpretation. When he looked at it and he pointed the knife and that yeah. spooky way he spoke, I see you, you can't hide yeah. from me. In that kind of yeah. way. Is and it the like, knife talking, not Matt talking? Yes. And wow. so I asked Helen, well, is does that mean that the knife, whatever's possessing him, is good if it wants to fight fades? And I don't know sure. yet. I think it's, we don't know yet. Could be good, what could if, be bad, could be in the middle. <laughs> what if there is a evil power struggle going on between oh. the, like, factions of the fade or maybe there's like a different evil that's fighting with the fade. Like, like whatever ooh. happened in that city that name I can never remember. Shadar the Goth. Yes, with the black thing. I feel like it was something like maybe they tried to do some weird ritual thing to get rid of the darkness, but they ended up summoning something else. Yeah, unleashed something. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so after that, so the boys escape. Is Tom dead? I don't think he is. I, don't think I get the either. feeling that he's going to like pop out from somewhere and they're going to be like, how the hell did you survive? Yeah. And they're going to be suspicious. Yeah. Okay, so we go back to the Aes Sedai camp, um, an army attacks and, and the whole camp sort of getting ready for battle. Um, we see, I think we go into the cave and we see Karene, there's like this little dong thing and they're like, what's that? And Karene's like, my wards, oh no, the camp is under attack. So we're kind of flicking back and forth and like it's all lots of action. Um, and then he explodes out of his cage and they get knocked into the walls. And yeah. Like, oh, no. Stefan's like, oh, no, because Loghain exploded and knocked the Andron. <laughs> <laughs> it is like he explodes. He doesn't explode. He explodes the power and it's like boom. And Stefan's like. a shockwave yeah, from Loghain. From Loghain. And Stefan's like, oh, no, we need to go back to the cave. Like they're in danger. And so they start um, running back, but then there's lots of fighting and there's much confusion and there's all these explosions. And there's a sequence where Nynaeve and everything slows down and does the muted thing. And she's like, and I feel like, oh, she's going to do something soon. She's going to explode with the power and she's going to do something cool like what she sees that girl doing, but she doesn't yet. (laughs) Like something's about to happen. (laughs) Get real. Shit's going down. So they gain melts his cage. And then Moraine comes. Calmly walks in. Oh, yeah, they're so dramatic. So Loghain's already being kind of dramatic and then Moraine, like, calmly walks in in a dramatic way also. And they have a little chat and he's mm-hmm. like, she's like, tell him, like, oh, how, why should I believe you're the dragon? He's like, I can hear all the previous dragons talking to me. They want me to do better. And Moraine's like, 
the wheel doesn't want anything. You're not the dragon. You're just going mad. So I don't know what exactly it was about that that like decided her, but she obviously made a decision that he was not the dragon reborn. Um, and she says the dragon, like your powers are trickle compared to the dragon reborn. When the dragon reborn comes, um, he'll they'll be like the blazing sun. And then meanwhile, mm-hmm. Karene and Leandrin are getting up again and then they're like, Wah! and they're like attack. And so they're like, Wah! And the three of them gang up on him. Yeah, so they gang up on him, but then he's doing something with his power and Karene sees that and then he like shoots something at them and she throws a shield over Leandrin and Moraine to protect them, but she doesn't protect herself and she gets like slammed and, and she Stephen dies. Goes, <gasps> Stefan goes, <gasps> Out in the forest. Oh, I feel so much for him. And because um, he felt his his person die, felt her die. Yeah, bond and, and- closer than anything. Felt her die, and so he's like, "Oh no!" And then he gets attacked, and he goes like into this like rage and starts attacking and stuff. Um, oh, this is when Alana says, "Go, I'll hold them off." Um, and we see that the king's dead as well. The king in that first sequence survived only to get killed in the battle here, rather anticlimactically. Yes. <laughs> so he's dead. So we go back to the cave and um, Maureen and Leandrin are trying really hard to shield Loghain again. And then Leandrin starts to get these little like sparks across her face and Maureen's like, you've got to be careful, you're going to burn yourself out. And she says, I don't like, care, I don't you care. must. I need revenge. Like he killed, he killed one of our sisters. So she's like really really angry with him yeah she's got the fiery heat of um righteousness and whatever she does now is completely correct regardless of how damaging and completely unnecessary it is so at that at that moment stefan stefan runs into the cave and he sees Karene dead on the ground and goes and has a freak out and launches himself at Loghain with his axes. It's like, rah, flying leap. And goes, no. And then the axes kind of go, so there's like a bubble of um, channeling of magic from the women around him, but inside that bubble there's all the black magic. So those axes kind of like go through the bubble and then they hit Loghain's dark magic and then they splinter and they shrapnel and they just go Bleh! and like everyone gets hit and land not land yeah maureen's got a big stab everyone's hurt and land's been sliced in the throat and all of his blood is gushing out of his throat and Nynaeve manages to have been hiding in a little corner and she goes Aah! oh no poor land and then Nynaeve <laughs> explodes even bigger than loyane did like the fiery sun she explodes so much. She heals everyone, and she unravels her braid completely. Yeah, her, her hair, her hairstyle changes because of yeah. how better she is. Yeah, the whole the <laughs> hair all comes undone. And she's like, and um, Logan's like, oh my mm. gosh, like the fire of a thousand mm. suns or whatever. And yeah, then she's the dragon. <laughs> and then all the the Aes Sedai all get them, pick themselves up, and they like, Leandra's like, sisters, link with me. Yeah, she goes, my sisters with me. And she does the thing. Yeah, and then they're like, Power Rangers! <laughs> Without <laughs> powers combined. And, That's um, um, Captain Planet. <laughs> yes, yeah, mixing everything in. And and then they, with that power, they, like, pick Logan up so he's hovering and they pull the magic out of him. It just, like, bursts out of him, all these, like, black waves. And he goes, <gasps> and it breaks my heart. 
Yeah. Expression, and he falls down, and he's just like, "Uh, really, really sad." Because they, they've they've done the terrible thing that yeah, we talked so about they, earlier. It's they so, so they gain sad, and Stepan is also very sad, and that is the end of episode four. Oh, we've lost Helen. <laughs> oh, Helen's gone. Yeah, she's gone. She's probably dropped out. The first thing that Helen said was, um, "Oh my gosh, it's Nynaeve." She's the dragon. She was also very sad that um, that Logan's story come to an end. Yeah. She's like, oh, he was really cool. And I feel like mm, it's just abruptly cut off and that's it. Like we might see a little bit more of him, but like he's kind of done. Mm. Just kind of sad. But what I, what I think is really would be really cool is he's going to live that half-life. So he's going to be there being the sort of cautionary tale situation. But there's going to be a twist. Mm-hmm. Like either he's going to coach Special Boy in the ways of being the dragon and like explain to him that it's not dark, it's like balancing. Oh, it's Star Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about balance. You're supposed to bring balance to the force and yeah. all of that. And um, it like either the first big major channeling restores his power or something like something's there like he either guides it or he gets it back somehow yeah so you think Um, that his storyline's not finished no i don't think it's finished yet i think it was about episode three episode four when i started going oh i actually like the series i just hate the main character (laughs) you just don't like special boy yeah special boy's the worst he's not improved at all yeah (laughs) any better so that was episodes three and four of the wheel of time tv show Next week, we will discuss episodes five and six, Blood Calls Blood and The Flame of Tarvalon. Hear how Caitlin's headcanons develop, discover if Helen's predictions are correct, and come on this journey with us. Did you enjoy the first half of The Wheel of Time Season 1? What were your favourite moments? What are your thoughts on what happens next? Tell us all about what you think on Twitter or Instagram at isn'titneatpod or email us on isn'titneatpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Now go and enjoy something you think is neat.